This program deals with themes of an adult nature and is intended for a mature audience. The very word secrecy is repugnant in a free and open society. And we are, as a people, inherently and historically opposed to secret societies, to secret oaths, and to secret proceedings. Our differences worldwide would vanish if we were facing an alien threat from outside of this world. We must guard against the military-industrial complex. UFOs, paranormal phenomena, and deep analysis of current world events. From somewhere in the desert, between Area 51 and Roswell, blasting across the planet, the Manticore Network proudly presents Fairy Tales. Because the truth will set you free. Headline edition, July 8, 1947. The Army Air Forces has announced that a flying disc has been found and is now in the possession of the Army. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore! The power they took from the people will return to the people. The Matrix is everywhere. It is all around us. It is the world that has been pulled over your eyes to blind you from the truth. Shall I tell you what I find beautiful about you? You are in charge of the best when things are worse. Sooner or later, though, you always have to wake up. Be skeptical, but don't close your mind. Greetings to everyone around the world, and we're welcome to another edition of Veritas at VeritasRadio.com. I'm your host, Mel Fambergas, and I sincerely thank you for joining me once again. And if this is your first time, please make yourself at home. I want to thank you, Veritas member, for making Veritas possible. Please subscribe at VeritasRadio.com to listen to all segments of tonight's interview. Three segments, three hours, and all of our material. And don't forget to purchase MMS right from us. As many of you who are writing to me, don't wait until it's too late. Don't be reactive, be proactive, and always have a kit available. It's so inexpensive and you'll need it when you least expect it. And if your internet is too slow and you want to listen to our high-quality sound, why not purchase any of our seasons on the futuristic Metal Case USB drive? Each flash drive has a full season with bonus material, which you can take anywhere you go. Go to the Veritas store for more information. And to get in touch with us for member support, media inquiries, you want to be a guest or are a whistleblower, there is a link for you by clicking on the contact button of our website at veritasradio.com. Tonight's special guest has been highly recommended by many of you. Now I can see why. In this three-hour, three-segment interview, full of information, you're going to have to wear a seatbelt. Our special guest is physicist Dr. Richard Allen Miller. We explore so many areas, ranging from his work with Navy SEALs, 
and Black Ops, to his involvement with Dr. Edgar Mitchell during the Apollo missions, to alternative cures and what to do when disaster strikes or when technology fails, how to listen to your instinct using USP, underground bases, his encounter with an extraterrestrial, and even his motorcycle ride underground. Yes, in an underground highway right here in the United States. This and much more right now on Veritas. Dr. Richard Allen Miller is a pioneer in the annals of metaphysical and paranormal exploration. Miller began working in the X-Files world of Navy Intel, SEAL Corp, and the MRU in the late 60s. His public collaborations and research continue. As an original Black Ops team member, Miller's research in the field of paranormal began as a graduate physicist working 11 years with Navy Intel in anesthesiology. During this period, numerous foundational papers, including a holographic concept of reality and embryonic holography were written. His past and current writings and presentations reveal a depth of knowledge and practical experience in three major fields, alternative agriculture, new age physics, and metaphysics. Miller now writes for Nexus magazine and is a preferred guest on internet radio. He is re-emerging at a critical time in humanity's evolution where metaphysics and practical survival converge. His latest book, ESP Induction Through Forms of Self-Hypnosis, is now available and Power Tools for the 21st Century will be out soon at his website, richardallenmiller.com. And directly from Oregon, I would like to introduce for the first time on Veritas, Dr. Richard Allen Miller. Hello, Dr. Miller. Welcome to Veritas. How are you? I'm probably uh, going bald <laughs> <laughs> from unnatural causes. <laughs> I have to tell you, Dr. Miller, by the way, may I call you Rick? Yes, please. Thank you. Rick and I have been corresponding for the last couple of weeks, and I have to say, I love your humor. I love your intellect. And every time you and I chat... It's almost as if I'm talking to a different person because you discuss so many topics that I have to say, I was very, very overwhelmed while preparing for this interview. So we'll, we'll try to, to, to make, it, make the best two hours. Well, yes, but I'm here. I, I respond best to questions. Like, what would you like to know? You know, that kind of thing. Well, first of all, let's, and I know a lot of my listeners have already listened to some of your interviews. You, you, you seem to be a hot commodity out there in, in alternative media in the past few months. I want to know your beginnings. Tell me about your childhood. I know that uh, you were very successful in, in school. You, you had some science projects that uh, put a bullseye on. <laughs> you know, on I, was, I was making pipe bombs when I was 12 <laughs> years old and called it ChemCraft chemistry sets. Give me a break. <laughs> well, I know that you had a bullseye on your head by placed by Pierre Dupont. Is that true? Yeah. Um, in my junior and senior year in high school, I did two science fair projects that went to nationals and were then used a year and a half later on the Mariner 1 doing a flyby on Mars. It was my experiments as a high school student were used to uh, discover how much water was on Mars. I, I didn't even know that until the 70s. It's uh, interesting. That was back in the 60s, the early 60s, uh, 1960 and 1961. And then Mariner on 64 used um, a tachyon factory using uh, muons, beaming them at, the, uh, at Mars. And then the Sharenkov radiation would give you the actual measure by the refraction index slowing down of 
of uh, particles, um, how much water is on Mars. And it turns out, I have today, uh, since this new, you know, landing on Mars, they're showing that there's literally more water on Mars than there is Earth. You've got the Earth, you've got the Moon, and then I had a little ball that I put there on the amount of volumetric for water. And then I bring a fourth ball in, which is the water on Mars. And it's almost the size of the Moon. Now, how did you figure that out? If we look at a picture of Mars, we don't see any water, or at least what NASA shows. It's all underground. It's um, um, under about six inches of surface. It is a new form of what they call structured water. Uh, there are many different forms of structured water, you know, with deuterium and tritium. This is the uh, concepts that are used for cold fusion, hydrogen production. And basically, uh, the structure on what we've discovered on Mars is a type of water that holds a slushy ice form uh, at 100 below Fahrenheit. It's probably because of the pressure metrics on the, on the planet. You know, if you wanted to have a sense of how thin the air is on Mars, if your feet were at 70 degrees, your head would be at a minus five. That's wow. how thin the atmosphere is on Mars. That will have a form on structured water. Why is water so important in terms of Kerry Reams and Willard and, you know, what we call Brown's gas and things? What is that all about? Well, basically, water is one of the first molecules in the periodic chart that actually has a dipole moment. And it's that dipole moment that acts like on our DNA with epigenetics. It's kind of a super code or dimensional gate, if you will, with certain forms of mathematics. You can have water goes into the out of. It's like uh, because of that dielectric concept with the two oxygen molecules in this positive and negative charge thing, that is what basically is the foundation for things like photosynthesis. We're now, we've discovered, for example, that when, how did Richard Feynman, when a photon of light hits water, something happens. And what happens basically is Richard Feynman says, like, likes, like. And all the positive go up here, all the negative go down there, and all of a sudden, you have a battery. Now, you had this, this science project how did they find you? <laughs> well, I mean, I did. Uh, I, I went to, you know, they had it in King County in Seattle, and I won that. And then they had it in Ellensburg for the State Fair. And then they had it in Kansas City, Missouri for the Nationals where I went. Now, my junior year, it was called uh, a new Maison field theory. Yakawa had come out with a new concept of a thing called a muon. And it was called a meson. And today, a muon is now called an elementary particle. But back then in the 60s, uh, we didn't have those concepts of the big super colliders and what we're doing now with bosons and things like that. And so it was called a meson. And I suggested that this muon could be responsible for creating tachyons and what we'd call a tachyon factory. And then in my senior year, I built a linear accelerator with a hydrogen bubble chamber, and I was the first American to actually 
show particles going faster than the speed of light in a, in a cloud chamber. And that was called Sarenkov radiation. I was the first American to do it. Two Russians had gotten a Nobel Prize the year earlier, and then I was the first American. And that was in 61. And then the combination of the two is that you beam muons into a tachyon factory, and you have this little ray gun going down there, beaming on it, and the slowing down of those particles in the different masses that it hits uh, is called the index of refraction, determines uh, what the material is. And guess what? It's water. Well, I saw when I was working at Boeing, I had a, uh, uh, I was military. I, I was working uh, top secret clearance with three volt permits. And I remember uh, going into this one vault and I found what I was was like a reader. Um, uh, you know, like you're three days of the condor guy. They, they had no idea what I was going to see, how things connected. They just gave me access. And then I started reading things and I started making connections. And when someone stopped research, why was that? Maybe they made a discovery and went underground with it, whatever. That's what we did. We were called readers and I was real good at it. And so basically I saw three top secret documents in 1970. The first was about the Mariner One using this high school kids. That's how I've discovered, you know, that I had used my things. It was in 1970 that I finally got it, um, that they had used this kids' experiments to measure the fact that Mars had water on it. Did he have and your name on it? Yes. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, you know, there it is. Read it and weep. I had my name on a lot of things I didn't know. Um, but then in 1967... They detonated a nuclear warhead on the south pole of Mars, and it didn't work. That was their first attempt to try, to try to terraform it. And in 1968, this is the third document I saw, there was a joint manned expedition to Mars um, one year before we went to the moon. And the thing that surprised me in 1970 was that it, who our partner was. It was the Soviet Union. Huh. And that, that was during the Cold War. And I mean the deepest of it. I went into Czechoslovakia in 71 and 72 as a Navy SEAL. And uh, <laughs> that's another story for another time, Dorothy. <laughs> but, yeah, well, I got lots of stories. But what I uh, basically, uh, I have no idea what happened to that expedition that went to Mars. I know that. In our research, because I worked on Lunar Base Alpha 1, we were never interested in the moon. The moon doesn't even have cheese on it. There's nothing there. And it's a big gravity well that if you're going to, you know, manned expedition somewhere, you could do it from an L5 position about 10 times cheaper than trying to do it on the moon. Everything that you would do on the moon would have to be brought there. Now let me ask you. Let me ask you, Rick. You you said that the the Soviets and the Americans went went to Mars. It was a joint manned expedition. That's correct. Uh, that with the document. That's the document. The document. I, so what does that tell us about the Cold War? Was a false flag. It's like uh, for military and was Eisenhower that was the first one to say that. Beware of the military complex. I suspect something else is going on. And I'm not a crazy person. I'm actually totally credentialed. And I can prove that there was some 
kind of close encounter that occurred in the 1850s before the Carrington effect and that technology was exchanged and that now, today, there are probably two different races of man, one with and one without space travel. And it wouldn't surprise me if the one with space travel is the New World Order. Because, uh, the, you know, what's going on on our Earth today is unbelievable. I just saw this thing from Sandy Hook this morning mm-hmm. showing the same person in the Aurora trial guys thing. And she's one of the uh, parents uh, in Sandy Hook, too. How does that work? Uh, <laughs> yes. And the attorney in the other. Yeah. Yeah. It just goes on and on. The false flags uh, on my website when 9-11 happened. I had one of my physicist friends do a rate of fall on the second building. It came down within 3% of free fall, and it would have taken my SEAL unit, which and we were good, it would have taken us three months to rig that one building to fall that precision-wise. And there were three buildings that came down. And, I, you know, the whole thing is about a terrorism bill through Congress. They probably needed a body count in order to... I don't know, uh, you know, scare the public toward uh, terrorism bill and, and our current homeland security. Things. Another Pearl Harbor. Well, I don't know if Pearl Harbor was ignored and they did that on purpose or not. There's a lot of history that I don't understand. I remember... I'm a nerd, and so my educational backgrounds are limited uh, more toward, um, you know, nerdy things, lower campus is what we would call it. I don't know. I, you know, I don't know. I, what I do know is that it, none of it, as we would be led to believe, CNN is an embarrassment. And when, um, you know, the whole thing about gun control, it's not about gun control, has nothing to do with guns. The problem is a pharmaceutical houses that are out of control and allowed to give our children drugs. Worse, it gets better with these vaccinations. I just did a top scientist video on my web, under my blog, uh, disclosing that the immunizations they're using now uh, are causing cancer further. It gets better. That's my computer making noises. I apologize for that. I guess there's a button somewhere and I haven't figured out how to do it. Anyway, that's what I know about false flags. I know that nothing since I saw the Soviet Union thing, I know that nothing is actually as it would appear. How did the CIA put it? Mind control? No, we don't need mind control. We have TV. Yeah, that's already there for for us. It's in place. It works really good. I remember Howdy Doody and the Please Stand Bys. You know, the whole thing is nuts. And most of the public is buying into it. That's why some of this radio is going viral, because there are people now starting to, quote, get it. It's, you know, it's not what you would think. Sugar, it started with aspartame and E. coli, and now wheat. Uh, you know that transgenic soybean is used as a delivery system for inoculating children now. They <laughs> tried it, yeah, they tried it in India on birth control. It worked. They're currently using it on horses in, in, uh, in Nevada, the wild horses and the Mustangs, and now they're putting the, the immunizations in the gene itself and delivering it through your food. And wheat, 
We're not even talking about uh, gluten. We're talking about gluten, uh, protein that makes you like an opiate. Uh, it's no wonder that everybody's obese. Got to have your four squares. It's nuts in terms of uh, icons like the golden arches and the way they trigger your responses to things. Pavlovian. Do you think that, you know, companies like Monsanto, they used to be in the, in the war machine before? Well, that's right. they are a weapons company. That's what they did. 2,4-D, Agent Orange, and Paraquat. Right. And so, you know, you can run it down. They have a new weapons project with DOD right now with wheat. It has nothing to do with GMOs. Nothing to do with them. And what they're doing, there is a bacteria that you have been infected with. It's inert from a cat called T. gundai. And the thing is basically, uh, you know, it, it was basically a cat. And when it comes up to your face and hums or purrs in your face, you're infected. Everybody's got it. Uh, what the wheat does has been specifically genetically modified so it will activate that bacteria and cause it to take over. Now, man is basically 10% human, and the rest of it is water transport processes and, and bacteria vying for homeostasis. And so it's no longer you are what you eat. It's more you are whom you feed. And so your food choices and your water choices are where I started when I trained the Navy SEALs. I was SEAL unit number one. I am a physicist working out of anesthesiology, and I developed eight protocols for how to make you into a superman. And you start with your foods. If you want to be a spiritual person, you've got to have something to launch from. I want to discuss that too, Rick, but I have to ask you, right now, about 10,000 baby boomers are retiring every day. You know the concept of uh, planned obsolescence, started with oh, appliances, yeah. <laughs> cars. Do you think that pharmaceutical companies and even the Monsantos, the Cargills, they also are uh, inserting this planned obsolescence into humans? You know, you vaccinate a child today and put a, an, an inert virus, if you will, that appears 20 years later and there's plausible deniability so you can't point the finger at the company that uh, that provided that vaccine do you think that's in effect today it wouldn't surprise me if that weren't part of the overall scheme of why and where you know um they're, they tested ground on the transgenic soybean with with india before they even started thinking about inoculating our children it's a scary proposition either way. Basically, uh, there is a map out right now that says that the flu epidemic in all states is up to extreme danger, and you better go out and get immunized right now quick. Oh, and we'll do it free for you. <laughs> How do you convert this quote-unquote pandemic to what happened in 2009 with the swine flu? Well, they've got some new ones out now that are even worse. I don't know anything about the uh, deaths of all these biochemists. <laughs> right, right. Well, yeah, yeah. But, but yes, there is no question that there are agendas and intentionality. And, of course, man does not actually have rights. He has responsibilities. And so there it is. Read it and weep. And basically, 
You can start with the man has a responsibility for the thoughts he chooses to entertain. If you're worried about mind control and synthetic telepathy and these kinds of things, it's, and you're not sure if the thoughts are coming from you or from something else that would make you think it's you, like Muzak, you know, where they come in on a subliminal level with voices in your head. So you think you're talking to yourself. That's how it works, by the way. I helped develop that. That's 1970s. The new mind control is about your gut, which is your lower brain and the one, oh yeah, that can transcend time. When you start working on, on your gut instincts and working from that level of your being, you now can do paranormal things like instead of in what we call statistical inference, all of a sudden your ability in making a guess. We call my ESP right now critical decision-making power tools. They work. You go down into an altered state of consciousness and your ability of guessing increases 400 times over where you are right now. That was the first protocol that I used to make Navy SEALs into supermen. When they came to a fork in the road, they had a protocol that was way better than guessing or thinking. Now, how do you get there without ayahuasca, for example? <laughs> flat, number eight flat iron skillet works. Um, Self-hypnosis. Once it's like riding a bicycle, once you know where it is between here and there, that's where you go. And finer and better and practice. It's like biofeedback. That was another power tool to change heart rate, respiration, pulse, how to, you know, do stress analyzers with uh, galvanic skin response, having uh, P300 waves, you know, where you can change your brain patterns using biofeedback. These toys are shortcuts to grandma's house. And there are big black wolves out there because ayahuasca, for example, which is dimethyl, usually associated with Rick Strassman drug of dimethyltryptamine, is actually, <laughs> that's an interesting chemistry. You know, the uh, what we call N, N hyphen dimethyltryptamine is what Rick Strassman calls the God drug, the, yeah. the, the, the neurotransmitter that creates your concept of something more than you. And I was watching Bill Mayer on atheism. It was great. He was on YouTube. It just came out today um, on him being an atheist. And he's going to exercise the post-mortem baptism of uh, – one of the the president uh, was it uh, uh, his his grandfather <laughs> Mormons. It was a great thing. There's things going on on levels that man is not aware, and because he's not aware, he does not have free will. He has what Aleister Crowley calls true will. Now, path working is toward evolution of consciousness that's what magic is all about and magic with a k it is an art form like sculpting or painting it is the art of changing consciousness at will the lower ends of it you can call it laser main or sleight of hand when you do it on other more subtle levels of the hologram now you're practicing path working where you use mythic living and you're working with archetypes and you know the concepts of metaphor. These are all tools that are available now. As such, 
to, to, you know, to go bravely into this new world. Uh, these tools are shortcuts. They're toys. They're, you know, enhancements, whatever, like, uh, you know, cyber city and you've got an extra special eye. Uh, the thing is, with that, you don't learn how to go into that state as well as just doing it for 30 years like meditation. And so that's why all the saints told you to start training your mind right from the get because your thought forms are what are creating our reality through the concept of structured waters. There it is. You imprint everything around you with your pushing on it, with your psyche, and it ripples into matter. That's how it works. Let me let me jump around a little bit, going back to when you were a child and you, you were involved in that uh, science project. How did you discover the fact that Mars had water? I didn't know anything about it. I was just doing a thing where I was creating particles going faster than the speed of light. I had no idea that they were going to use that same laboratory <laughs> on, on the Mariner to actually try to measure the amount of water on Mars when they did discover that that is got to be the single mo it was timothy leary that uh -huh. talked about space migration intelligence LSD. well space migration intelligence increase longevity extension smile with a little you know square there intelligence in key was an i squared and space migration was the only thing we couldn't do we could not leave orbit and what disturbs me the most is the biological experiments that are being first perpetrated by aliens and now by man in manipulating men because they have backup now with Mars. That's the problem with Fukushima and Reactor 4 and those exposed plutonium rods that nobody's talking about. Guess what's happening over in Japan right now? They're going bald and they're getting fat from eating our diets. Now, let me ask you also, you, you probably saw the movie Alternative 3, 1977, right? Yes. Do you think it was real, the footage? <sighs> don't hold back. Yeah. Well, like, I, I don't know. There's Alternative 3 was Lyle Watson with, uh, that's, you know, he was a BBC reporter working with... Uh, Colin Wilson or someone else, I forget who it was, and they, they suggested underground. Listen, I have been to Antarctica, and I did that for the government when I was working for them. And uh, so I know there are, on this planet, caves everywhere. And because, and I manage a bunker here in Grants Pass. Uh, I mean, the whole place is bunker heaven here. And so I've seen it, and it wouldn't surprise me because of the amount of water on Mars that it's also similarly caverned. I wouldn't, I wouldn't doubt it a bit. What do you think? I don't know, though, because I haven't been there, so there it is. You know, I haven't read any reports. I'm an old man, don't have access to my toys anymore. I still have a security clearance. It's not as high as it was, but then I'm retired and just grumpy, you know. <laughs> what about the entrances <laughs> of the North Pole, South Pole, and uh, the Hollow Earth? What's your take on that? Bert Boleyn, University of Stockholm, Sweden, Nobel Prize winner, astrophysicist, uh, is suggesting that that will be what actually causes Earth changes rather than Hawaii going in the Earth with tsunamis and or uh, a, we are right now, for example, experiencing a global weather event.
Uh, nobody's talking about it yet. Uh, Science News last month had a nice article on it showing how it's really getting worse. Uh, but nobody's actually really talked about it yet. Uh, the pole shifting is most likely how it's going to happen. It is already moving. Uh, Boleyn's calculations, he's pretty good, uh, would, you know, we don't know how it's going to go, so, you know, we can guess, um, is probably going to move to the bitter roots of, of Idaho, and there may be a mantle shift, which means nothing survives on Earth. It's like wiping the Petri dish clean and you put 144,000 up in space to witness it or something like that in a metaphor. Uh, I, you know, if you were a bacterium down a lava tube two miles down with a mantle shift, uh, nothing survives. Mantle shift is kind of like in the movie 2012 when you're watching the big coastline falling off in big <laughs> chunks. It's going to go like that. Um, and... It could. Uh, it has, to some extent in the past, we have uh, other kinds of uh, uh, things. I need to put that on moot. I was going to say, is that for me? No, it's someone else. So I just, I'm hanging up and hanging up. So I'm on air. I just got rid of, that's my phone. Sorry about that. No problem. Uh, yeah, good. Um, I haven't got my systems down yet on how to run a smooth interview yet, but <laughs> give me some time. I'm a fast learner. Um, this is my only a couple, couple times in, so I don't really know what I'm doing. Um, the pole shifts are probably, there are, okay, Greg Bayer, B-A-E-R, has written an exceptional uh, three-volume trilogy called Eon, Epoch, and something else, where the aliens come and take the 144,000 up into space to witness the end of the mother and then re receive them. Um, that's Bear's, you know. I like Bear. He's not as sciences as, let's say, Richard Forward or Alan Dean Foster, you know, but, uh, you know, had some interesting things about the pole shift. I think that's how it's going to happen. I don't know if that's going to happen in our lifetime. It's due. Do you know, I'm shotgunning a little bit here, things that, that pop in yeah. my mind. Ceres and Vesta. What do you know about those two that NASA is going to be landing in the next couple of years? They all have water. EO, all of them have water. And actually, what's really interesting is... And gold. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's not forget. <laughs> yeah, let's not forget the golds. Uh, the, the Mariner 1 and Mariner 2 are now almost outside of what is defined as the solar system and they're making some really serious discoveries that's why we did the hubble i wanted to have a better look about and uh there's other things going on did you know that on march 9th there was a for six hours there was a magnetic pole reversal on the earth uh most people didn't catch it Nobody talked about it, but that means that the pressure from, from deep space was harder than pressure from the sun. What is causing this? Um, a thing called dragon tails. They're, they're big in deep space and between galaxies. They're big streamers like uh, of, of ions, and they're called uh, dragon tails. And historically, we're known 
uh, you'll find them in some of the biblical literature even. That's what they were called, their dragon tails. They're uh, streamers in deep space that will, when our heliosphere presses up against it, will, like a plasma, will push back and, you know, like crashing into something on it, like a boat going into a dock. And there's shock waves mm-hmm. that come back. And the Earth experienced one, which was a magnetic pole reversal for six hours. And if you don't think that that doesn't disrupt biological processes, the voice of the planet, Schumann's resonance, which is what I do about there, your body is like a resonant cavity oscillator. And so there's this dialogue going on back and forth. That's how time and space work. And by the way, time and space in my universe are not real. They're subsets of something more. I see, for example, in my universe, the brain being a four-dimensional hologram of five space, which would mean you could change the movie. Do we have to match the Schumann resonance humans and, and all living beings? What do you mean? I don't understand. For example, let's say that the Schumann resonance is eight. Do we have, as, as living beings, do we have to match the same frequency in order to, to, to continue surviving on this planet? We already have. We evolved that. That's uh, Isaac Bentoff stalking the wild pendulum and Dr. Mm-hmm. Schumann, uh, uh, you know, and oh, listen, uh, the, the aortic arch between the, uh, the heart and the aortic arch uh, is it's a certain length. And that has evolved so that the heartbeat going kaboom, 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 that part creates a stoichiatic pressure that is precisely identical to Schumann's resonance and it's pushing up on your brain. That's why most healing and your best water transport processes occur when your resonances are working in those areas and you have better transfer of fluids and things like that. It's all visual if you want to think of it that way. But your 8.3, which is Schumann, Yeah. Uh, is in it's it's invalid. It 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 can, doesn't change. That's the other big thing. There's people out there trying to suggest that Schumann, it's a geometric thing, you know, on the size of the Earth and the blah blah blah. It's not ARP. It's not chemtrails. If you want to know what's changing our weather, you know, it's called global dimming. Last year, the United States had 10% less light hit crops, and that's what caused the drought. And in Russia, it created the fires. Yeah, and the and the forest fires are putting up this particulate matter like they're doing right now in Australia, and you watch how that changes the weather. Even in Australia last week, they they had a new color red because they'd never seen it so exactly. so hot. Roger that. That is what's happening. It is a global weather event associated with global dimming, not harp, not chemtrails. And certainly not more challenge coming down out of the uh, helium. Yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> to the layman that listens to this, for example, I'm in the desert. I've been here for 17 years. I have never felt this cold ever. What do you think is happening? Well, your poles are shifting <laughs> and your magnetic poles are shifting and the tectonic plates are going to affect that. And those are going to affect the weather drivers or what they call the highways that drive the weather. You know, these big patterns in Europe that used to have seven of them. And guess what? There's only two of them now remaining in Europe. They've all changed and it may not go quite like the day after tomorrow, but 
I would not be surprised if that conceptual is closer to how it may go down. There will be an extreme uh, shift in weather, and then things will, you know, you know, harmonize out and find what we call natural velocity. Where, okay, for example, Japan just bought two major islands from the Soviet Union or from Russia in the up in the north of the Kamchuk Sea up north of the Aleutians. Uh, the combination of the two islands alone are bigger than Japan and I think there's a few other islands, smaller ones that are associated. And that is being predicted to be the new tropics. The new tropics. Yeah, but it may not happen in your lifetime. So, I mean, you know, but that's the scenarios that we would use, like uh, Future Maps of America or Foxbat, you know, I can sling some terms around on when we had models of what we think there is going to happen. It doesn't mean they are, but they're close or, you know, as best we can. So this has nothing to do with perhaps Fukushima? No, but Fukushima could be the end of life because unlike plutonium and cesium, uh, you know, Plutonium is a planetary killer. Now, the cesium-137 levels in the milk in San Francisco today are 100% above EPA standards. And right now, if you go to the State Department, there are travel advisory warnings to Japan. Go figure. And the Japanese over there are going bald. Well, that's what I'm saying. Do you think there's a possibility that... Well, it's 40 million people. How do you do that? The prefect of Tokyo, yeah. yeah. How do you evacuate them? We'll use China's, you know, secret cities. <laughs> no, that isn't going to happen. That is not going to happen. There is no way you could get Japan and China to cohabitate. Trust me. It isn't. It will try doing it with the Jews and the Arabs. <laughs> it isn't happening. It's just not going to happen. You think the BP oil spill and, and Fukushima may have something to do with this, the, these weather patterns that we're seeing lately? Well, the Fukushima was from a coronal mass ejection on March 9th, and then the aftershock on March 11th is what caused that small tsunami into Fukushima. I have to tell you, that's just the tip of the iceberg. My buddy that works with me in doing urban survival skills workshops, we're doing them now, Matt Stein wrote a paper called 400 Chernobyls. What does that bring to your mind? Wow. And yeah, guess what? And 17 of them that have open pit reactors for spent plutonium rods in the United States are all on major fault lines. How does that work? That's crazy. I remember 86 when, when this happened. I even went to Cuba in the mid-90s, and I saw all these uh, Ukrainian children with yeah. their, their deformities a few yeah. years later. Do you think this is happening in Japan at a larger scale? Yes, it's worse. I think uh, Chernobyl was bad. I think Fukushima was worse, and it's only going to get even more serious if we don't change technologies now. It's, in my opinion, nuclear reactors is, uh, that's crazy. So, okay, let, let's discount nuclear for a second. Then we talk about wind, and if it's not a windy day, we have no, no energy. How about solar? Same thing. We have a cloudy day, no energy. What do you suggest? 
How about your tide change? You know, I was up in Nova Scotia, uh, and I watched the tide swings. They're tied up there with 60 feet on a normal day, hmm. and that would be enough tide change to to power the entire north coast of, uh, I mean, the, uh, the east coast of, of, of North America. Literally, from one tide changing up there in Nova Scotia. Uh, we have these buoys now that just rise up and down. That's the up and down part. That's where the energy comes from. And if we learned how to, you know, using solar panels is crazy because solid state physics, which is what I did my master's in, is uh, uh, like an alien-based life form with a half-life of eight years. And you have what we call color centers and... Uh, your checksum error figures start to break down on your chip on your motherboard because of gamma rays. You know, I remember when they were first doing solid state physics coming out of what we called monolithic circuits, and I couldn't figure out where that came from, except probably reverse engineering when the aliens are giving us flintlocks in the middle of the rain because, you know, they're not totally inappropriate solid state physics in space there's no protection and worse i remember when Corn i was at mit when corning came out i was taking a course called fluidic devices and it was nor nand logic which later became uh what we call oh imagine that <laughs> sorry <laughs> do you hear okay. that or not yeah i hear it. that's okay it happens to me i'm so sorry i didn't know if that was on my side only or not and it I have a lot of infections. Well, that's okay. At least you don't have any viruses. It's being updated. Yeah, well, maybe. That's just me telling that I got one big one called a vast on my computer. Uh, I knew uh, uh, Michael James Reconosuccio, Captain Crunch. I grew up with that guy. Can't kid a kidder, man. We're in a real situation with cyber wars. Um, that's going to be the next big terrorism will be your computer. Watch. Somebody, well, a few weeks ago, we discussed this, that uh, they were blaming it on Iran, of course. They were saying yeah. that Iran was hacking <laughs> into the banks, and one day we would wake up in the morning, and our banks would show zero. We would call our banks, and they would say, sorry, but we were hacked, and there's nothing we can do about it. Blame it on Iran, and that's next Pearl Harbor again. Well, or the Federal Reserve, and or the FDIC, or wait, 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 Obama, wait, wait, it gets, gets right on down to it. Uh, listen, that's zeitgeist moving forward. We've had 400 years of currency. It's been shown not to work. It's time to move on, you know, to hell with Rothschild and, and that whole concept. The, the, the currency doesn't work. The concept of it, I, you know, I'm part of the Rainbow family. We barter here. Well, let me ask you. It, because a lot of people talk about that, you know, the currency won't work, capitalism doesn't work, but I haven't heard so far, I haven't heard one system, and I've spoken to the Venus Project people, I've spoken to Tellinger about contributionism, what do you suggest would be the, the replacement for the current system? Uh, cold fusion, you know, where you're providing power. So free energy. You'll be like in Star Trek, yeah, and we have a little, uh, what is it called, a replicator. <laughs> oh, no, they used that one in Lost in Space, sorry. <laughs> well, but then you had Dr. Eugene Malov that came very close to that. You know what happened to him? He was killed. His nephew was killed. Well, Dr. Brown actually had literal cold fusion. NASA chose not to use it, and so he sold it to the Chinese, and two of their fleets of ships run off cold fusion. T. Townsend Brown, you mean? 
Yeah, the the yeah from NASA. Mm -hmm. He did Brown's gas. Yeah. The whole concept of deuterium using deuterium rich water for a breakdown. There's some people that are doing similar events in um, where is it Utah, but. The one I like are the dolphins when they blow those little sonar bubbles called sonoluminescence. We have just duplicated that at MIT. It is also a form of cold fusion. And go figure, a dolphin are using that as a form of their art. When do you see that that may be part of the mainstream, if ever? Yeah. Um, I... Shortly, uh, shortly, actually, um, not like you'd like to see. It'll be like Mopar where, where things wear out and, you know, that kind of thing. I have a restored 280Z. Uh, it's 76. And the engine has got too many miles on it for me to try to burn uh, uh, hydrogen in it, which is cold fusion, hydrogen. And so I've moved it toward alcohol which is cooler and i run it off my garden i have a big still in the backyard and i make uh, some pretty good jack daniels i feed it to my <laughs> we call that what is Moonshine. that called oh yeah prepper <laughs> agriculture <laughs> well you're trying to achieve some degree of sovereignty if you put red line oil you know for jets in your vehicle then you've gotten rid of both the teamsters and the arabs <laughs> that's right. I think, that, I think that's, see, that's the game. The whole dependence thing, the whole scarcity game that we have, you know, right. we're coming to the bottom of the oil barrel. Do you think that oil is abiotic? Oh, uh, listen, we're never going to run out of petroleum for Christ's sake. It's in everything. I mean, you know, there it is in the, in the biomass. And so why not go in alcohol? It doesn't burn quite as hot as my uh, like my high test 280z but i don't run it quite as quick either so it's just as good for me because then i don't need and actually running it out of my garden with the labor i do on it you know putting up comfrey i use comfrey for my source um I, two bucks a gallon wow yeah imagine it's not you know it's it's and imagine everybody doing that so you didn't have to have gas stations and dispensers <laughs> How about inverse uh, gravity with magnets? Reverse gravity with magnets. Uh, Hutchinson effect. I don't know. Um, I don't know anything about that technology. I know um, I'm an electromagnetics band. That's what my academics are. And there's some strange new phenomena that we're looking at right now. Uh, what I am more interested in is talking about that really cool interview you did on information bots or what inter internet bots. I found that interview you a little did. That was very cool. <laughs> Thank you. You mean Cliff High? Yeah. 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 Well, you were pretty cool in that. And, and I, I checked it out and I thought, you know, I know about ON's algebra. Basically, there is a theorem in information theory that says that if you have enough information to ask a coherent question, you have enough information to answer it. That means the structure of the question already contains the information. And really, if you started to think about epigenetics and past lives where this little gene right there came from mom, not dad, and somehow the DNA chain knows that because it behaves this way over that, um, I find 
that an interesting way to tag back into the higher part of yourself, what I will call the non-local mind in a holographic universe. Basically, you have two constructs of universes. They're probably neither, but you construct a universe so you can predict what's going to happen. That's what you do in quantum mechanics. We got into, what is it called, entanglement and decoherence. And then we observed a weird thing happening where this one particle at one end of the universe and the other is the other end of the universe, and somehow they're simply connected, where when it goes this way, that one goes that way, and we called that the Bose-Einstein condensate. Now, in a holographic universe, you talk about information and resolution of information, like your physical, emotional, intellectual. That would suggest archetypal. You, you would suggest that emotional plane has got more information than the physical plane. So being a caveman or a femme fatale, the femme fatale is working at a higher resonance. And our job is to go upward in the scales of resolution of the hologram. And that's that so-called as above, so below. I saw a burp off the sun uh, in 2010 that was precisely DNA. I saw it. Precisely DNA. Please explain. It means there's something else going on here. What was originally proposed in cosmobiology that came out of uh, Yugoslavia during the Cold War. There were Yanov and uh, Milan Riesel and other scientists that were suggesting that the storm on Jupiter was a metaphor for something going on Earth. And when the storm stopped, certain things happened. And when the storm returned on Jupiter, things happened again. And the fact that water on Mars has been discovered and now on many of the other satellites or, or moons of Jupiter, Saturn, that would suggest we were doing a study when I was military on earthquakes, being able to predict earthquakes with a three sigma error coefficient that's three sigma is 99.999975 percent probable of the event and it had to do with the planet uranus the earth and the sun and there are no known laws in our physics which would account for neptune being part of this equation and yet that was a computer study i did on a 360 at boeing uh, you know we uh, were trying to verify validate whether certain reporting of information in russian journals was bogus or was reproducible now that's another bad term because some of these universes don't work with concepts of reproducibility and repeatability which are the two one of the holy grails of science right now. And so I had this conversation with Dr. Elizabeth Rauscher. Do you know who she is? Yes, at Berkeley. Yeah. Yes, She's, yes. Yeah. Ten years younger. Um, I'm an old that I'm that old. <laughs> Sorry about that. I'm a grumpy old man. Uh, I see uh, I see something else going on and we haven't gotten it yet. That's what I see. I haven't gotten it yet. Uh, that's my, you know, part of my, you know, purpose is to try to 
leave some footprints for someone else to write even a better book. Then we'll go to the moon for a second. Do you think we went to the moon? Oh, yes, 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 yes. No question. Yes, there's lots of false flag things or, whoops, how's that shadow do that right there? Look at it in his, you know, his faceplate. I, yes, I've seen all of that stuff. Uh, Photoshop at its very finest, like that big cube out near the sun right now. You know, there's all kinds of things. And the problem is uh, the, the bogus it's, I remember I was working at SRI. I worked under Andre Puharch, and he had this protege called Yuri Geller. And Geller could gun spoon stopwatches, and he had a big entourage of wealthy old women that he liked to show off on. And that was when we caught him cheating. Now, his phenomena was real, yet because he was cheating because of his ego, like he couldn't just do it. It would happen sometimes and not other times, and that was a, probably a variable that we didn't have any idea yet what would allow the on-off switch for the phenomena to work. Who knows? But what he did do is he started to cheat, like crop circles, where most of them are bogus. Or, Doug and Dave. Yeah, and it bothers me because you lose something that may be important otherwise. Crop circles. What's your take on crop circles? Cymatics. Uh, obviously that's the ones that I've seen that are real. Most of them have already been shown to be hoaxes. Uh, you know, people messing around, you know, with an alien giving a wink and holding a bud, you know, <laughs> marijuana joint or something. <laughs> well, you know, something out of Zap comics to give me a break. But if 1% of crop circles are real, isn't that's that important enough? I, it is. And I've seen them. I, I saw one occur on film in Sweden that took six minutes. And so it happened in six minutes. And it was very similar to cymatics where you have a bowl of water. Okay, you got a little field here with with uh, like a vessel function because it's contained as a circle. You're going to work as a membrane physics. And you, you throw a sound frequency across it. It causes things to resonate. And you have you know, depressions and what we call sacred geometry that comes out of it. That's where sacred geometry originally came from was the Buddhists up in some, you know, temple in the Himalayas or something trying to get the perfect chant, you know, sound like Gabriel. And, and, and the water would start to move and then it forms into a pattern called cymatics. And now there are groups even trying to use that for healing, you know, where they have like bones <laughs> in Star Trek, deedle deedle, and then uh, it'll be like that. Yeah. But who makes them? Who makes the, the real crop circles? I don't know that it's someone, it's probably some uh, uh, guy up in, a, in, in space with a particle beam weapon. <laughs> I'm going to have some fun with the natives. <laughs> a maser? Uh, I, Huh? A maser? Oh, yeah, you can do it with a maser, yeah. Mm -hmm. You can do that. Uh -huh. If you, you're, you're looking for uh, chords and octaves, and once you do that, you can create cymatics based on boundaries for the contained field or whatever. That's right, you can do that. Uh, but I think it's more from natural sources. It might be from fracking or something like that. Um, you know, there's a lot of booms and whistles going off in the upper atmosphere just with sprites and the aurora borealis. And for me, as a crazy scientist, I see them as, you know, short-lived life forms. Living beings, the crop circles, you mean? 
Yeah, probably conscious or conscious entities. Yeah. Uh-huh. Just like in the soil with cymatics, uh, you, you can see mycorrhizae with a habitat that form with mycelium and some viruses and you throw a couple nematode and blah, blah. You know, you get it to a little ag- ag- you know, aggregate of different things like, oh, we'll call it Chicago and it's different than New York. That's called cybernetic anthropology. And that's Laughlin, the Aquilian McManus. And that area is where I think some very fertile ground lies in working or pathworking. I used to, when I taught magic on AOL uh, in the early years when it was still called PC Link, <laughs> you know, uh, it, it was, we were, you know, I would use uh, cybernetic anthropology. Laughlin and Dequilly has to do with symbols and the way geometry goes into consciousness later it has evolved into things like nlp and uh sona you know they the ways of healing where you have something for the adrenals in this certain frequency bands or something it's all still hokey pokey but that's the way herb farming first started also you think that when we look at a crop circle you know languages you have to learn them but sometimes if you see a picture do you think that it could have an effect on our DNA, pictures and words? Well, there's no question that uh, at, at a level of information is going into uh, the system. Yeah, it has resonance. That's why certain icons work the way they do. You watch kids and how they change when they're around golden arches. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. No, no, it's nuts. You know, these are logos and happy icons. meal. Yeah. yeah, the happy happy. You mentioned the sounds, all these trumpets, even the towers hum. What do you think these trumpets that people have heard around the world in the past few years are? Um, you know, they talk about similar things in in the uh Voice of the Silence, part of the Appendishads. It's uh, called the Shabad, or sound current. It was Gaia at the end of the rainbow, this big, you know, uh, dragon at the end of the rainbow singing the lost chord. What did, uh, what did he call it? Oh, yeah, uh, zero-point energy, you know, the hydrogen resonance thing. The universe has harmonics in it because of... Uh, events going on with hydrogen and helium and they're going to create certain kinds of relationships and sounds the interesting part is that one of the physics things i'm doing around my work with resonant physics is that i am going to i'm noticing that it starts with that very narrow bandwidth we call sound and then goes to the infrared or the ultraviolet goes out in either direction you know goes in different directions microwave this way and and radar that way and um it all has to do with frequencies that was pythagoras he was a genius in that regard mathematically saw the way sound related to itself in harmonics and i think that's what it's all about literally is sound narrow bandwidth you know what is that about 12 cycle on up to well actually you know infrasound you can start at six cycle and go up to about oh 
most people can hear to about 16,000, maybe 20,000 cycle. That bandwidth right there, uh, frequency band, is called sound. I think it's where, because there's just so many different kinds of references to it, I think it goes starts at that point and goes either direction. I don't know that. Uh, that would be one of the things in another lifetime I would test as a young scientist trying to set up variables and measure that kind of thing. I think there's some significance to the concept of sound. That's why the Hebrews use it in the mother letters, in the chanting form of the way the word of God was pronounced. You do that correctly, and you have what's called uh, synesthesia, or cross-modal translations of your senses, where light and sound become the same thing. You don't hear sound, you now see it as light. Two things that come to mind about sound and vibrations. Do you think that maybe the pyramids were built with sound? And also, this may sound, <laughs> sound unrelated, but second part of the yes. question, how about all the, the ubiquitous uh, cell towers that we have around us? Do you think there's an additional purpose other than cell phones? Well, if, they, if it is, it's the other uh, race of men that has technology that we're not familiar with yet. We're living in a polluted soup, no question. And the toxicity of radiation from everything, it's man's radiation is, is what's poisoning everything. You go into your bedroom and you want to have a nice sleep, whereas, whereas that TV's on and you've got the radio and you got a little clock here and an electric blanket there. And uh, the next thing you know, you're actually modifying DNA just with the electromagnetics of your toys. How about... Uh vibrations to levitate those are technologies that i've seen that possibly the ones that i'm seeing have to do with gravity though where gravity is uh, a subset of elementary particles rather than its own particle which is a graviton then i don't know i don't know i don't know that that's an area of speculation uh it's certainly interesting i you know but i don't know how do you, have you ever practiced or experimented by trying to cancel gravity? <laughs> you mean was I in free fall? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm in that life place every day. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, yeah. Have you have you looked into how to cancel gravity or reverse it? No, I haven't. My, I, I've all, I've done a lot of things in my life, but that's not one of them. I have had interest in that. Just like I've tried to build a time machine. I did do that. I built a time machine. Oh? Yeah. That's, that, I've got a TARDIS. Oh, okay. Did, did tell, because you, you discussed How's that it. work? <laughs> well, you discussed the concept of time, so I'm glad that you, you're mentioning this. Uh, that's my interest mostly, rather than, uh, I, look, there's no such thing as gravity. The earth sucks, right? That's, that's the graffiti I know. Um, <laughs> um, time machines and spaceships are basically geometric imaging in your mind's eye. And that has been talked about in Merkaba mysticism for cent. I mean, it goes way back in, in Hebrew mythologies, the idea of Ezekiel's vision and the throne chariot of God. It was a geometric imaging in your mind's eye. That's what a TARDIS is. You do a face center cubic hexagonal close pack structure and you center it with your third eye and watch what happens next. Good luck. Uh, you, you know, time and space <clears throat> aren't really real. How I 
<clears throat> first discovered it, I wrote this paper <laughs> called, I never knew there were corners in time until I was told to stand in one. <laughs> I saw and, that. Explain, explain and, that. Well, four space isn't real. There's five space, you know, in, in string theory and some of the more advanced forms of hyperdimensional math, uh, we have uh, multidimensional space and, uh, you know, with six, six dimensions, seven dimensions. And we'll have to, we'll have to get in, uh, uh, some weird uh, uh, science fiction on that. But basically, five space would be, the, the fifth dimension would be, uh, you've got length, girth, and width, and time as the first four. Mm. Five would be the options, like sliders in the movie Sliders, where you had alternate universes, and uh, like Jet Li running around doing the one, uh, where there are many, many different Mel Fabregas is in different universes, one with different hair, doing different things, and they all center around your thought forms in terms of paths not taken, past lives, and a variety of other things that we have never even talked about yet, having to do with epigenetics and the supercodes now that we're discovering on the DNA. There is something else going on, and I have no illusions that our concepts of reality is not real. Castaneda, you know, said that. He said, the Nagual is the unspeakable. And everything, the tonal, everything that was known was illusion. It's not that you know reality, you filter it. So, you know, you don't have all the data, which means, you know, you have your eyes with certain bandwidths, whatever. I think there's other senses going on, and that's how you can do paranormal. Do you think that the pineal gland is our, our, our Wi-Fi antenna? No. Um, basically, I wrote the biological function of the third eye. I wrote that paper, and I'm going to suggest that it was originally a light-sensitive organ. It was light-sensitive that regulated seasonal changes with the equinoxes and solstices, and that it atrophied. Uh, we have studies on lizards and other things that have a more developed third eye. That's what it's used for, the pineal gland. And the pineal gland is right there at the base of the spine where uh, you have a little chill that runs up and down. You, you know, you get that little bubble. That's what Sri Aurobindo calls the ascending kundalini or whatever. Gopai Krishna is going. And what that is actually is a bunch of little tiny hemophilia that stick out of the central nervous system, and there's an electromagnetic signal that goes up and down the spine. And that is the chill. But it's really interesting because, guess what? That turns out that electromagnetic field band is in the visible light region. And if you align your spine just right, you stimulate the pineal gland. It sets up a resonant cavity oscillator, which I will call the neural cavity, and at the other end of it, you have the thalamus. And Robert O. Becker and I showed you can regenerate true nerve tissue when you get that resonance going. That's what one of the reasons why kundalini has often been referred to as immortality. You can rebuild nerve tissue. But do you have to be in a lotus position to activate it? <laughs> you mean, does your spine need to be, take the corn cob out the, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, there's obviously some geometric uh, considerations there. <laughs> yeah. You know, 
Swaybacks are uh, swaybacks are uh, you know not allowed. <laughs> now going back to your concept of time travel, we hear of uh, parallel universes. Do you think? And some people say that time, past and present and future are all the same. Do you think there are alternative universi plural where? What you and I are talking here maybe is happening 20 years down the road or 20 years before. Or right now. Right. And yeah, and that's your so-called harmonic convergence that the Mayans were talking about. Several universes colliding with each other. Now, you want to play? There's uh, Nexus Magazine did an article on the Chatty Project. In Africa. Yeah, there you go. And they made contact. There you go. And they're talking to some alternative universes that are saying there's a convergence going on right now. That's what they call the harmonic convergence. Can you imagine? So with all these different mythologies, there's a grain of truth, which is why they resonate. Now, I want you to please explain, and this is this comes from Nexus. Folks, if you don't know Nexus Magazine, a little plug from my friend Duncan Rhodes, excellent magazine. Explain exactly, this is such a fascinating story. We <laughs> make contact with, with an alternative universe, and the two universes are colliding. Please explain That's this. Well, uh, but you can't see, it's, it, what'll happen is that some psychically sensitive people will see things, that are and are not there and other people will not be able to see it that's why some people are evolving and others are not or whatever uh, really what it has to do with having uh, the ability to shift through your various altered states of consciousness in my power tools book chapter eight which is called an ontology of mystical states and the nature of free will. And um, ontology of mystical states would suggest that shamanism is a lower form of uh, trance states that blah, 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 blah. It was Don, John Curtis Gowan that did this ontology, got awards for it. It's incredible where they compare where biofeedback and tantric sex fall into the various states or higher states of consciousness called jhana states, J-H-A-N-T, jhana states. These are in Buddhism. There's eight of them. Again, they have to do with the resonances of what we call memes or Leary's, Timothy Leary's Eight Worlds of Consciousness. This is uh, levels of explanation that will take more time or a chapter from my book to totally explain it. We can discuss it. It's no problem because I've got it down. Most people need to see it visually. Basically, Timothy Leary suggested that there are eight basic neurotransmitters that enfold or defold information differently and that the first layer would be you know your opiates on a physical plane the next level is you know and and he has eight different circuits there's a physical emotional intellectual it is the way you categorize an experience and basically there are four basic planes and an octave or a next four levels of, of higher including microtubule and uh, you know that kind of thing uh, ketamine is the highest one with uh, LSD LSD in your in your brain now that's interesting it's basically 
uh, when someone takes LSD, what they're taking is lysergic diethylamide, which is basically uh, a little different than what your brain chemistry is doing. And what happens is the LSD in your body is completely broken down into salts in the urine within about 20 minutes. And the rest of the 20 hours of hallucinations are from your own brain chemistry, lysergic acid amide. And what that did is kickstart the brain into being able to connect dots. That's what LSD does, which is different than dimethyltryptamine, giving you a sense of something more in the universe. Each one does something different. And Larry assigned one of these things, and I am now finding it, because he was my teacher, I'm finding it absolutely consistent with my own understandings of fractal math and the way information folds into or out of itself. And you start with the physical, you have the emotional, the intellectual, the archetypal, and then you move to the next level. And these are states of consciousness that relate. And what I did was back in the early, early 70s, I developed power tools using this concept for taking and making Navy SEALs into true supermen. I want to discuss that when we come back. Uh, Rick, we have to take our one and only intermission. No problem. But uh, we want to uh, talk about uh, your website and so on. But before we do that, I want to just let the audience know that Dr. Richard Allen Miller had a top secret clearance. Now he has a secret clearance. And during segment two, I want to explore as much as we can, short of, of jeopardizing your clearance. Also, I want to discuss, you mentioned one interesting thing at the beginning of the show, that we have two perhaps alien races here. Not alien races, uh, human races. Human races. Uh, yeah, where there's genetics, blue blood, dragon. Whatever. Well, I wanted to mention this because we have, you know, you and I are probably iron-based, but then we have the copper-based ones that we're not supposed to intermarry, and that's why we have hemophiliacs. I want to discuss that. Also, the moon. I want, I want you to tell me more about the moon. Is it natural? Is it a natural object, or was it placed there? But tell us how to get in touch with your work by these books, the new book that's coming out soon. Um, all of them are available on Amazon. Um, PayPal works if you don't want to. And they're all on my website, uh, richardallenmiller.com. Uh, the power tools will be going to press this month. The current most popular ones are the potential of herbs as a cash crop. I write in agriculture and am considered, by the way, by congressmen uh, to be what they they call me the postman because I am like a supercomputer up here in Southern Oregon, the state of Jefferson, and dug ends doing urban survival skills workshops with Matt Stein. And what I'm what I'm doing is networking uh, rural communities and bunkers. That's what I'm doing now for congressmen. It's very interesting. Uh, more than just, you know, preppers, doomsday preppers and things like that. There's a lot of people out there that are seeking a different way of living you know, with themselves even. And really, the doom and gloom part of where, you know, how's it going to happen? What's going to happen? My position is, it doesn't matter what's going to happen. It's time for a lifestyle change. And your orientation, why you do what you do. 
You and, know, yeah. Before uh, we started the show, I posted uh, a news headline called 50 Shocking Questions That You Should Ask to Anyone That Is Not a Prepper Yet. And I'm not a doom and gloomer. However, you wrote an article, I believe, with your partner called When Disaster Strikes, When Technology Fails, and How to Listen to Your Gut. I want you to discuss that when we come back. This is Mel Fabregas. You're listening to Veritas, and I'm here with Dr. Richard Allen Miller. And we will dig deeper in segment two. Don't go anywhere. Thank you very much for listening to the first segment of this interview. We will continue with segments two and three of this three-hour interview with Dr. Richard Allen Miller in the Veritas member section. Just go to our website, veritasradio.com, and click on the subscribe link to listen to the rest. We'll take a short intermission, listen to some music, and we'll be right back with segments two and three in the member section. Enjoy.
Dr. Elizabeth Rauscher, and you're listening to Very Talk. 